This is Bless You Boys Podcast 94, recorded Saturday, November 23rd, 2013, with Al Beaton and Kurt Menchin. Dave Dombrowski is a wizard. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Bless You Boys podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog kicks around the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball. When we last left you, uh, we were thinking, eh, maybe we'll have a podcast in a few weeks. We're not anticipating a lot of news. and Well, that changed really quick this past Wednesday night. So before we get into all that and we discuss the Prince Fielder trade, uh, let me get the introductions out of the way. I'm Al Beaton, uh, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. Joining me this week, well, we don't have Hulkside. Uh, he has some uh, family commitments. I think he had a friend in town. We'll try. We'll get him back on the next podcast. So as usual, we do have uh, – he's a columnist for the Detroit News. He's co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. He does numerous things for uh, SB Nation, and he's uh, probably the most curmudgeon person I know, and that is Kurt Menching. Boy, Kurt, we just don't learn our lesson, do we? Nope, nope. Uh, and yes, people would listen to us. Mm-hmm. Why Why do they listen to us? Um, We're experts, that's why. We are the experts. <laughs> and what does, what does being an expert entail? Uh, it entails telling people you're an expert. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. All right. All right, before we get into our expert analysis of the trade and some of the other things that happened during the week, a little bit about the podcast, uh, please contact us with your thoughts and questions, hate mail, love letters, whatever, uh, bybpodcast at gmail.com, bybtigers at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Bless You Boys, and we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash bybtigers. All right, Kurt, I guess we should get into our expert analysis, and I figured I could introduce our expert analysis by showing how expert we were in predicting what was going to go down. I'm so. just going to hide my face. <laughs> All right, uh, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, the, there was first, uh, the, the first rumors came out that the Tigers were, quote, open to a Prince Fielder trade. Well, I obviously wrote up the rumor, and I added this. It's the longest of long shots the Tigers could pull off such a monumental deal. Fielder's value is at an all-time low coming off a down regular season and even worse postseason, which included a divorce, which adversely affected his play. The 29-year-old slugger is owed far too much money, $168 million, and it's for far too long, seven years, to have anyone seriously believe a trade is on the horizon. To make a deal palatable for any team, the Tigers would need to eat a significant portion of Fielder's contract. Sure, the Tigers are open to trading Prince Fielder. In other news, I am open to winning the lottery. So there's my prediction of what's going to happen to Prince Fielder. Here's what Kurt had to say uh, a couple days ago. But right now, actually, uh, was it like Monday or Tuesday, I believe? Should, <laughs> should trade. Well, not Prince Fielder. Sorry. But in looking over the Tigers' roster repeatedly, it was hard to find a player. I truly believe the Tigers should trade. Yes, he is owed more than $180 million. Regardless, his value to the Tigers outweighs what they should expect to get in return for him. In all likelihood, they'd have to pony up serious money to get a team to make a decent offer. That's not going to happen. Fielder's not going anywhere, nor should he be. Write it down. Yeah, well, Kurt, boy, we were right on the money of our prediction, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should know. We should know. We should know better than to do these kind of things. But that's, well, we're experts, and this is what we're supposed to do. Uh, let me ask you first off, Kurt, when you first heard the rumblings of a trade involving Prince Fielder, what was your reaction? Uh, well, my first reaction was to get you on the horn real quick so you could write. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 
I, I saw John Heyman's uh, article, you know, we tweeted it. Mm-hmm. I saw his articles about, you know, about three paragraphs, and they were all one sentence, and I said, oh, crap, this is going to happen. You know, you can tell. He, yeah. You can tell, that, you know, is a is a seasoned, you know, per, digester of news, a reporter. You could tell this wasn't John Heyman spitballing or John Heyman passing on the rumor here. This is John Heyman saying, holy crap, I got something hot, and it's going to happen, and I want to get this thing out right away. Yeah. Uh, so, so, and, that, and that's what he did. And you knew it was not rumor at that point. It it, it was going to happen. And so, and, and then my second thought was, holy crap! I can't believe they're unloading that contract. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And you saw my reaction. I, I I replied back to you, holy shit, in capital letters. <laughs> that that's the big L. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, and it, it was interesting. Yeah, you're right. I had to re. I literally had to retype the post. I lost track how many times because how quickly the news was breaking. First, it was a rumor. Then it became, well, it's pending approval. It's pending physicals. Oh, and now they're throwing in $30 million. Well, now, at first, I think I heard 60 Then it, then it was down to 30 And now, the plus, there was rumors that there might be possible other people involved in the trade. It was really a, a, a fluid situation for a couple hours. It was absolutely nuts. What made it even worse, Kurt, is that if you were following me on Twitter or Facebook, if you had seen what I had written that morning where I had writ, written, well, I was complaining that there was no Tigers news. There was nothing to write about. I couldn't think of anything. And, uh, well, I got my ass bit. <laughs> That's the way it works. I, I think I think I, I don't remember which player it was, but I, I was complaining one day uh, about there being no Tigers news. And, and, you know, this is a year or two ago, and, and then they traded or signed somebody. So, uh I, I think they're trolling us. Yeah, I think so. And was it more, it made it even more interesting is that Matt Wallace, uh, the former writer, bless you boys, used to cover a lot of the minor league stuff for us. He uh, replied to my Facebook comment and by making up an Ian Kinsler trade. Oh, that's depression. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, he said, he, well, it wasn't a trade. It was a rumor. He goes, yeah, the Tigers are, I'm, I'm going to put this out there. I'm, it's rumored the Tigers are going to trade for Ian Kinsler. Well, Oh, ten hours later, the Tigers traded for Ian Kinsley. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kurt. I guess uh, we should start t- talking about the lineup fallout and what's going to happen with everybody involved here. So, first off, the Tigers have a major uh, hole in their lineup now. You know, they, they just traded their cleanup hitter, uh, even though Fielder did have a down season. He was, you know, still a productive big league player who's in the prime of his career. And he's one year removed from a really, really good offensive year, uh, over 300 average, over 400 on base percentage, and over 500 slugging. I guess the question is now, how do you replace that kind of production? Right now, it's Ian Kinsler fits somewhere in the, in the one or two slot. And then after that, it's either move uh, Victor Martinez to fourth and put Torrey Hunter fifth. And that's really where things stand right now. Yeah, right. You know, one of the arguments for why the Tigers wouldn't move Prince Fielder is that he was more valuable to the team, and precisely because of it. You know, he's a guy, and I know I know the Sabre people don't like you to say RBIs, but he's a guy who drove in more than 100 runs two years in a row. Uh, he, You know, he, he's a guy who hit a boatload of home runs. You can debate whether or not line of protection exists or not, but uh, you, you have to look at the numbers. You go, Miguel Cabrera had two of his best seasons uh, with Prince Fielder behind him in the lineup. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why why, why you could see Prince staying in Detroit. And, and like you said, now the, there is that big hole in the lineup. And, you know, the best bet is to move Victor up and, and you know, put Victor behind him. But, uh, you know, well, how is it really going to shake off? Who knows? You know, it, it, it's going to have a different. It's not going to be quite the same softball team that it's been the past few years because now there's a little more speed with Kinsler. You know, he's got some pop, but you can take the extra base. You can field base here or there. And you know, presumably uh, Nick Cassiano will end up in the lineup, and, and he, you know, he he's not going to slug you 40 home runs, but he's younger and looks as if he should be a little bit faster than Prince going out on a limb there. So, you know, it, it, it's still going to be a lineup that can score runs. It's just that they, they might be scoring them a little different than the past year or two. Yeah, that, and, it, but, and it's still a concern, though, because this was a team that seemed to be very streaky in scoring runs. So they'd score double digits for a few games in a row and then not do anything for a week. But a lot of that did have to do with uh, Prince Fielder's uh, midseason struggles. He pretty much 
I wouldn't say he dropped off the face of the earth, but he really struggled mightily for about three months. And the topics you bring up there, that really, there's, there's a lot of uh, flux here as to who's going to play where. As you mentioned, the only thing we're sure of at this point, well, I don't even, I, hey, I'm not going to say anything is sure, actually. Yeah, no, don't say really. anything is sure, because that's the sign that it is definitely not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it this way. We're anticipating Ian Kinsler is pretty much locked in a second at the second baseman, as things stand. Yeah. Of course, but who plays first base now? now again, there's a, obviously Prince Fielder did have his uh, – well, he just wasn't a very good fielder, period. And uh, as we saw uh, numerous times during his career here, and especially in the playoffs, uh, he really is a – he was a DH playing out of position at first base. Now he's the Rangers' problem, but the Tigers have a hole there now. The question is, Kurt, I guess we'll start with Miguel Cabrera. He was He had turned himself into a pretty solid – first baseman before uh, Prince Fielder arrives. Do you think the Tigers move Cabrera back across the diamond? Do you think that's probably the first domino to fall? Possibly. It it makes the most sense. You know, I think think right now they're keeping their options open. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way it should be. You know, they're going to talk to other general managers and see see what else they can do to improve their team. Uh, after that, you know, if there haven't been any any major changes, I, I think the question is going to be, you know, let do, do they do 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 they take Lanterton, who is who would be like a 27 year old rookie, mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was you know minor league Gold Glove first baseman for Toledo. Uh, he he represented the Tigers in the in the futures game, you know, during the All Star break. They could move this guy. They could they could insert him at first base. You know, he 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 was recently added to the forty man roster. He could play first while Cabrera continues at third, or Cabrera could move across the diamond to first while Nick Castellanos moves into third base. And, and you know, presumably that that's a good option too. So I I you know when the, when the Tigers don't automatically say. Uh, yeah, we're moving Miggy, and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, we know you're moving Miggy. Don't try and blow smoke. I, I think they do seriously have have some options here that they'd like to uh, test a little a little further before they make a decision. You know, so I don't think it's a sure thing that that Cabrera moves across the field. I think it would make sense, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think it's a sure thing. That's a good point in regard to Leonard, and I think that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. I think everybody's anticipating the Tigers just going to continue to throw money around at a, at a free agent or two to fill that lineup hole. But uh, I, I just brought up his stats, and he did put up uh, an 8-12 OPS at AAA Toledo. It actually is his first full season at AAA. But that's the issue, is that uh, he was a, he was old for AA at 26 years old and put up okay numbers, you know, 8-36 OPS, uh, got on base with a 368 clip, and hit, like, you know, hits 20 home runs. I mean, this – uh, you get, you just have to wonder how that production could translate at the big league level at the age he is. It seems like you're no longer a prospect at 27. You're pretty much considered a 4A guy at that age, but it's an option anyway because the Tigers are going to need some bench bats as we've gone on and on about that. Uh, third base, uh, right now, obviously, Dave Nabrowski is very being very noncommittal about what he wants to do with his prize rookie either he's going to play left field or third base. Do you think that just depends if the Tigers target one of those positions in free agency or via trade? Yeah, I, you know, I think that's going to be part of it. Right now, they, it's not even December yet. The winter meetings are yeah. three, three weeks away. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talking to go. So who, who's going to become available via trade? You know, what? Who, who's going to be in the, in, the, in the asking price they can afford? You know, maybe they find that left fielder and decide that, yeah, okay, left field is taking care of Castellanos' best chance to play his third day. So, and maybe they don't find that left fielder and they feel comfortable with Leonardson and Cabrera and, and, and Castellanos ends up getting a lot of playing time, at, you know, left field. Or maybe they say, you know, let's ease them into this and, and, and not just make them the starter and see what happens, you know. So there's plenty of options. So, it's really too early to say anything, and and I, I've learned my lesson from, mm-hmm. from this week, so I'm not going to be concrete about nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we can say that supposedly the top third baseman available is Juan Uribe. So I think that pretty much says a lot about I think most people would rather see Nick Castellanos get a shot at third base if Cabrera moves to first. 
Uh, obviously, it's going to be a little bit easier to find an outfielder, but it's going to be more expensive to find an outfielder as well. Any chance uh, Martinez moves to first base, Kurt? Because he actually played pretty darn well there in limited duty last year. Then who DHs? Yeah, uh, well, that, again, Leonardton. How's that? Well, you know, uh, yeah, I'd rather Leonardton. I don't, I don't know what a Gold Glove in in AAA is worth, yeah. but you know, he's got one, so that sounds like a good thing to me. Martinez has been a very productive hitter as a DH. You really do have to wonder. Being he's no spring chicken anymore, that uh, uh, playing the field at all is really a, a huge option for him at this point. You know, he, I'm sure it's not bad occasionally, as we saw last year, but you want to keep him as healthy as possible because right now he's your second best hitter. And like I said, there's a lot of options here. Dave Dabrowski ain't saying a damn thing, and maybe some dominoes will fall over the next few weeks or at the winter meetings, which I believe start like the 13th or something like that in December. But, Kurt, Kurt, Tigers did free up a lot of cash with this deal because of the difference in contracts. Even with the Tigers paying $30 million, which doesn't kick in until 2016, by the way, the difference in contracts means the Tigers are saving approximately 71 to $76 million, depending on the final year of Kinsler's contract. He's got a $5 million buyout. But also keep in mind, unlike fielders whose contract stays solid at $24 million a year, Kinsler's gets lower as the contract uh, drags on. So he's going to be more affordable on the back end, which is rare for some of these big contracts. Uh, do you think the Tigers have any plans for Dick's extra cash, if anything, or is, your, is the best, smartest scenario is that that money may get targeted for extensions of whomever? Well, you know, some extra cash, because they, they still have to pay $30 million to, to Texas mm-hmm. beginning 2016. So, you know, Kinsler's salary goes down. But but then that that payment for mm-hmm. you know Filbert makes an appearance. So yeah, you know seventy six million saved over over the next seven years. That's real money and and definitely can help them make some you know make a move or two or, or three or four depending on the kind of moves they want to make. But uh, I I I don't think you know I, I wouldn't say any of it's earmarked for anything per se. I I just think it gives them the flexibility going into the future to to look around and go okay you know. We have one, one one last twenty million dollar contract to worry about here. This is great, you know. But what what's going to be best for our organization? You know, do do we think yeah, we want Max Scherzer to, to stick around for a few more years? Do we think uh, do we you know pay thirty million to Cabrera? What what do we do with you know do do we realize that our our farm system sucks? And it's not going to give us a lot of help, so we're probably going to have to buy a couple of free agents just to keep this thing running. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there, there's so many things right now that it's it just you can say it's good that they have the money available, uh, but you know, people who have said now they can sign shares or whatever, I, I I don't buy that. There's a lot that's going to be going on in the future, so it, you've got money, but you know, let let's not let's not go wild. That, that don't let it just burn a hole in your pocket. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you say, yeah, this is great. The Tigers have unloaded a $20 million a year contract. People are very eager to say, well, let's go get another one <laughs> that, and then put the Tigers in the same boat again. Uh, you know, really, essentially, they were with Fielder. So I, I really don't see the Tigers. Again, this is just speculation on my point. I'm not saying anything's in concrete. I mean, I've been burned too far too often now. Uh, but the, the team does have a budget. We're not sure what it is, but – guessing that they are pretty much at the top tier of that budget. I can't see them hitting $200 million. I can't see them hitting $175 million. They're hovering around 150 right now. I'm sure they would much prefer to stay in that range, give or take. So that may that probably may show up here in free agency in that there are people out there, Kirk, that are saying, with this cash freed up, and as we said earlier, there is a big hole in the lineup, there a lot of folks are talking, saying, well, now that put, to put Tigers in the market for Jacoby Ellsbury, Sinshu Chu, uh, Curtis Granderson came up this past week after trade. Uh, Carlos Beltran seems to be a very popular option because you could probably get him on a Tory Hunter-esque type deal considering he's 36 years old. Uh, Nate McClough has been another guy that's been thrown out there who's uh, you know, not a great player but a very serviceable one who would be a little less expensive. But it looks like, Kurt, most of these players that would help fill the Tigers' uh, hole in the lineup are all outfielders. So, you think they're on the you think they're on the problem for a left fielder, or is is it still Andy Dirk's job out there? You know, you're right. It's so early to try and figure these things out. 
But no dominoes have fallen. All these guys are still out there in free agency. They're, the Tigers could go in pretty much any direction, but the way it's looking, Kurt, if they want to fill this bat via free agency, it's an outfielder. That that would yeah that that obviously makes the most sense because everything else is, is filled basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it, 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 and and of course you've got your center fielder and you got your right fielder. So the left fielder automatically becomes the the thing to fill. I, I think maybe people have over overbought the possibility. I, you know. The fans always look to the past year as if mm-hmm. everything in the future will be the past year. And, you know, if a guy, Andy Jerks was the hottest thing uh, ever because uh, a year ago because he had such a a good season. And I say, well, you know, he's not that good. And now mm-hmm. Andy Jerks had a, had a few off months and people have been trying to replace him ever since. He's probably not that bad either. Uh, just like Austin Jackson, you know, they they say he can't lead off. Look at how bad he was. Well, look at how good he was a year before that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think the Tigers could maybe upgrade, you know, in left field. But I, I don't think it, it is necessarily the, the most important thing for them to do. I, you know, I, I, I'm i not worried about the lineup. There's another portion of the team that I'm a little more worried about, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no one in the bullpen. Not a that, soul. Period. Yeah. <laughs> well, and really so close to the bullpen. Yeah, but. and there really hasn't been much change rumor-wise as, as to what's going on there, other than uh, the last we heard, the Tigers were both interested in Brian Wilson and uh, Joe Nathan and who who knows what else. I mean, uh, really, the uh, the news cycle has been totally dominated by this trade. Uh, I guess we should talk a little bit about uh, legacies of the players and why Kinsler's in Detroit uh, rather than Texas. This has really been something uh, how the fan base seems to have so quickly turned on Prince Fielder Kurt. Uh, when he was signed here, you know, it was like uh, love at first sight. You know, it's uh, the prodigal son returning. You know, because we all uh, uh, some of the older generation remember seeing uh, a very young Prince Fielder running around Tiger Stadium in his Zubas. I don't know with uh, you know with his dad Cecil, who was a prodigious home run hitter himself. Now the fan base quickly turned on him. You know uh, he signs a large contract. Expectations are probably outsized to say the very least. Plays well for a time before production falls. Has some personal issues, and then is ultimately blamed for team's postseason misfortunes, despite he not being the man who threw up gopher balls. But he didn't hit any gopher balls and actually had a very awful, to say at the very least, playoff series. So the fan base immediately turns on him and pretty much makes him the scapegoat for the ALCS loss. Uh, I, first of all, let me ask you this, Kurt. I can't remember a Tiger player who has fallen out of grace so quickly than Prince Fielder. Right. Uh, I, I think you're right. And, you know, what, what it has to do with is, Anytime someone is getting paid $20 million, the fans basically demand the world. And, I mean, he signed one of the most rich contracts in the history of Major League Baseball, so I can understand expectations are higher. Uh, you, you know, if you're going to get production like what Prince is giving you, yeah, he, he he's maybe taking 8 or $9 million more than he deserves, and I can see why, mm-hmm. fans, why fans would get annoyed by that. But... Uh, you know, the, I think the, the bigger picture. I don't. I I I don't think it was really fair just how much some people turned on him. I I, I really don't. Uh, you know, he, his absence is going to be felt. This team is not going to score as many runs next season. It, it, that's just it, it's just how it's going to be. This team isn't going to be as good offensively next season. And, and you know, I guess the final thing that Prince said that to the fan, you know, to to the after the ALCS loss, where he said, hey, you know, it's over, I got kids. People really, really, almost like a Rorschach test, took that, took, took that uh, quote really the wrong way. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say I jumped into Prince's head and I know exactly what he meant, but uh, I, I, I just think that going, hey, you know, let's keep some perspective here. This is a game. We wanted to win. We tried to win. We didn't win. Uh, I've, I've still got to live my life. I've got kids. You know, I, how's it going to, how, how, what kind of role model am I if I'm just going to mope around all day, you know, hating life because we didn't win? How, what, what, what's that showing my kids? 
uh, and I thought, you know, I thought that was a mature perspective by Prince to go, hey, mm -hmm. yeah, I know, my career, I get paid a lot. Uh, I really wanted to win, but it, this is this is still a game. You know, when you when you leave your workplace, you have your your life. When you, and when the season is over, Prince has his life, and he wanted to be with his kids. And I I, I felt that was a mature response and a good response. And I, I really I really didn't like the way some fans turned on him specifically for that interview. Uh, this is uh, another one of those uh, I think cases where we see people overreact over small sound bites, small sip, snippets. We see this all the time with uh, when you get a quick TV uh, shot of what goes on in the dugout, 10 seconds or so, or on the field. Uh, we saw you know, people upset with Prince Fielder because he, he smiled on the field after the A's had taken a lead in the, in the um, ALDS, for example. Everybody's different. Everybody reacts to these situations in different ways. Not everybody is overtly emotional or, for that matter, uh, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's a job to a lot of these guys. Yes, they want to win, but for whatever reason, you know, some of these guys, it's, 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 it is what it is. It's not a life or death to them. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but I think for a lot of some players, it, it probably is because uh, fans seem to take these things a lot more personally than players do. Like, uh, we'll see uh, uh, two teams go at it. Then they'll be friendly and smiling and laughing after the game. Well, fans are just ready to kill. I think you put it right, Kurt, when you say sometimes I think players have a much more mature attitude about the game itself than the fans do. Right, and I, that that always kind of surprises me because I mean, one thing I, I think about us and, and I think about you know that that really marks bless you boys is I I, I think on a whole. We we are able to keep it in perspective that this is a game and it, it's fun and it's entertaining and we spend a lot of time watching and talking about it, but it's not life and and you know I I, I think I think it's always important to remember you know life is life forget baseball when it's over and don't don't make so much of it and I I, I mean I understand the emotions I understand you know sitting around during a playoff game and you're, you're rocking in the fetal position. I get that. I do that. But mm -hmm. uh, it, I, it, when it's over, it's over. And I, I you know, I I, I I move on to other things that I enjoy too. And I, some fans, I, I mean, it's, it's just scary. I, I don't even understand how people can take sports that seriously. Or, or like what we saw, you know, what goes on with the Giants and Dodgers where they're mm -hmm. eating each other up or killing each other. My God. I mean, yeah. how can you take sports that way? I, 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 I just can't, I just don't, I don't even get it how people can take sports that way. That, that seems, if, if that was the only choice, I would give up sports and, and take up watching the ballet or something. You know, I, mm -hmm. I just don't, I just don't understand people like that at all. Yeah, and that's the thing. I can understand it at least a little bit uh, from coming from younger people, you know, teenagers, kids who don't have a life experience or don't have not had to deal with real life issues, which completely blow away what happens on a baseball field on on your television. But when you see adults, when you see people your age or my age get so wrapped up in a game, and no matter what you say, it is a game, and for that matter, it's a business. We're just dollar signs to the owners when it really comes down to it. It's silly, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm just like you. I mean, I, I get nervous. I get worked up during a game. I get upset. I mean, just look at my Twitter feed sometime when I'm watching the Lions, for example. But, and when the game, like I said, when the game's over, the game's over. And to have something that you can have no control over, affect your life to the point where you're a raving lunatic, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I would hope that, uh, you know, the perspective of age has given us that, that we're able to kind of partition those two parts of us, the, the, the fan of us that desperately wants the Tigers to win, but then the rational being that says, yeah, well, I still got bills to pay and I still got things I want to do that's fun and I have a family and have all these other things that – mean so much more in the big scheme of things. So it really sounds, to me, that's how Fielder sounded like when, when he was talking about after, you know, he didn't word it well. I, I think we can all agree with that. Yeah, and I said at the time, yeah. maybe it was the wrong time to say what he said. Yeah, uh, but 
for people to blow it out of proportion and say he doesn't care, to say he's uh, a lackadaisical loser, all kinds of different terms, especially you'll hear on Sports Talk Radio, who you know kind of like those lunatic types too, because it draws ratings and listeners. and uh, The whole damn thing got blown out of proportion to the point where a segment of the fan base, again, much like the fire Leland types who were a vocal minority, I'm sure the Prince Fielder types were a vocal minority too that wanted him gone. And in the big scheme of things, maybe it is for the best. Do you think a change of scenery is going to help Prince Fielder? Do you think uh, playing in Detroit and all the luggage that entailed with it, the history, he he wants a fresh start in Texas? You know, uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Is the little part of it? Because you got to remember, I, he, uh, he he had a no trade clause in Texas, and he uh, he waived it. Right, and and, the, and of course the other part of it is the the field conditions are better for a left-handed hitter in Texas. Yeah, you know, it, it it's more home run friendly for a left-handed hitter in Texas. So that's 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 part of it too. I'm sure there's a lot, and there's probably a lot of things that we'll never really learn as to uh, why things went down, specifically when it comes to his to his personal problems, you know, with the divorce and all that, and how maybe coming back may have affected that, uh, that and his family as well. So, But it's interesting, Kurt, that uh, in a lot of ways, Ian Kinsler was the fielder of the Rangers, a fan favorite who became very highly paid after putting together some excellent, excellent statistical seasons. But his production was starting to fall off a little bit because he's 31 years old. You know, still a productive player, but probably not a player who's going to be worth, uh, you know, that that uh, twelve, fifteen, seventeen million dollars a year. And the fan base started falling out of love with Ian Kinsler. Plus, their love seems to be going towards Jerkson Profar, who plays the same position, is an over prospect, and is, is quote unquote the next big thing. So there's a there's in a way, Kurt, you know, uh, not only with the huge contracts, there seems to be a lot of similarities between the two players as to how the fan bases see them. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine us if we if we were going, hey, somebody has to move so Jose Iglesias can play, you know, because uh, he 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 would be he's not you know not not the same prospect. He's a high prospect, but he's not the kind of prospect that Profar is in Texas. But yeah, yeah I mean, so I can understand wanting somebody to get out of the way so you can get your 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 prospect into the game. So, uh, but yeah, I, every fan base has to have their whipping boys. It, it's Sports and I—that's that, the way it is. Uh, do you think a, a change of scenery, Hope Kinsler? Uh, from reading some of the columns that were written about Kinsler after the trade, uh, for some, I believe I read one columnist to, I believe for the Dallas Morning News, that said that he would be happy to drive Kinsler to the uh, airport, for example. Kinsler, there seemed to be a lot of complaining about. He's a great base runner who gets picked off a lot. There seems to be a lot of little things that over the years. With the with the uh, Rangers fan base, Kurt has built up to one big thing with the Rangers fan base in regard to Kinsler. So uh, it really sounds like they're ready to move on. So I would hope that the Tigers needing a second baseman, obviously needing a productive bat because they just traded away a huge one. I'm just hoping that you know, that, that maybe the first uh, the change of scenery, uh, you know, as cliche as it is. Helps Ian Kinsler to get away from the, I guess, better way to put it, bad vibes in Texas. Yeah, and and uh, you know, again, just looking at it from a baseball perspective, uh, he, he's a guy who might be able to find that that power alleys in, yeah. in America and, and you know get some doubles and triples. He, he had a fair amount of triples down there, so you know, it's it, it, it's a possibility that he might actually thrive in his new home. We can hope. <laughs> he needs to thrive because he is being paid a lot of money, just not as much errors for as long as Fielder. I guess, uh, Kurt, we'll kind of start wrapping up our talk of the trade. So too soon for a winner or loser at this point? Because uh, after the fact, the trade really seemed to get almost unanimous praise on the side of the Tigers. Almost all of it, though, was about the money. It seems like the, the trade has a good chance to be a win-win, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's a draw-draw at the worst. So yeah. I, I, I don't, I would find it hard to to call this a loss in any way at all for the Tigers, even if Kinsler doesn't quite work out. So I, I think, I, I think it was it was a good baseball move. I, 
you know, I, I wrote the the piece of Blessy Boy saying, I, you know, it, it, it's a sad thing that it had to happen, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and we, I should point out that piece that you wrote and that there there's a lot of mixed feelings here uh, people had about how the, the Prince Fielder story turned out in Detroit. And, and I, I, I think the best way I can put it is that it was a kind of a fairy tale turned sour. Right, it really was. You know, like you said, a lot of us remember Prince as a kid, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it, everyone thought he was just this cute kid who could hit the ball really hard, and, and, and it, you know, it, it was really a, a, a story coming full circle that he was coming back to Detroit, and you know, had a chance to win a World Series here, and it, it would have been a nice tale, and you know, to. He, it's not like he was a, a Detroit born and bred, but you know he, he was one of us. You know he, yeah. he had spent enough time here to be one of us, and I, I think it would have meant something for for us to have one of us to win it off. One one more thing before we move on. Uh, in a way, do you think this is Dave Dombrowski possibly uh, course correcting a move he didn't want to make in the first place? Because uh, from all accounts, you know, it's never really been said, but it's always been uh, thought that Prince Fielder coming to Detroit was a bit of a panic move because of what happened to Martinez's knee, and it was completely initiated and, I don't know, maybe even demanded by owner Mike Illich. Yeah, it, it, it seems like, it, 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 yeah, you know, the talk back then was Illich basically asked him, hey, can you get this guy? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, and, you know, it turns out that it probably wasn't the best move for, for the long-term you know, franchise health and and it's good that they can get away from it i guess <laughs> yeah run away from it as far quickly as possible i guess but once again kurt i guess uh we just have to just be amazed at the wizardry of dave dombrowski because this is a move no one thought possible or at least didn't think was going to be possible for a few years Tra- fielder was untradeable he was considered absolutely untradeable uh, essentially a poison pill kind of a contract, yet he traded him. Dombrowski, uh, uh, that's all I can say. He's a wizard, pure and simple. Yeah, I years ago, I, I you know, I, I called him a, a you know a, a poker player, but mm-hmm. uh, lately I've just been calling him like a, a you know a street magician, like <laughs> David Blaine out there. You know, he or or beyond that, maybe maybe he's playing the cup game and taking everyone for a ride. I don't know, but he's uh, he's something, and you never know what he's going to do. Yeah, and it was interesting that when I put together a post about how the Central Division rivals reacted to it, and almost every one of them, uh, the fan bases, just marveled that Dave Dombrowski was able to pull this off. And then you have a fan base such as the Kansas City Royals who see what the Tigers were able to do with Mike Illich and Dave Dombrowski, and then they look at uh, – uh, Dayton Moore and David Glass, and all they can do is just shake their heads and and just say, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I bet I bet those fans would love to fill the stadium if if their owner and GM would give them a chance. At least this isn't the Tigers waving a white flag. That, I think that's uh, the best thing about this is that the trade did fill a hole, a big hole that the Tigers needed. They were able to free up some cash and. I think we can all, even when the trade went down, we were all pretty much in agreement that the last two or three years of that deal were going to be, you just had to hope that Fielder could produce enough at the front half of that contract to make you be able to swallow the last couple of years of that deal because you have a hard time believing Fielder is going to be a very productive player at 35 or 36. It's possible, not likely. You know, he's not a Hall of Fame level caliber hitter like Emil Gilbert, who I would be much more confident would be able to be a very productive player late into his 30s. So, again, this, this story is yet to have a the end tacked on the end of it yet. So, obviously, we'll talk about this as the offseason uh, goes on. But I'm never, ever, Kurt, going to complain about not having anything to write about again because it led to me writing about a dozen posts in less than 24 hours. <laughs> the end. Yeah, there we go. All right, a uh, couple of things happened during the week that we'll touch on before we start wrapping up the show. Coaching staff um, had some additions, Kurt. Uh, kind of forgotten now in the wake of the trade. Earlier in the week, the Tigers added uh, Omar Vizquel, um, one of the – and some people could make the argument he it may be the best field and shortstop in history. 
at the very least, he was the best fielding shortstop of his generation. You know, uh, spending much as we we in Detroit know because we got to watch him all those years with the Indians. He was hired by Brad Ausmus as the Tigers' first base coach, also infield coach and base running coach. Uh, I think uh, infield and base running. I, I'm happy with that. Any thoughts on Omar Vizquel joining the staff? Well, Omar has—he's always been one of my 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 favorite non-Tigers uh, because, and I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I I'm absolutely uh, enthralled by uh, a shortstop who's good with the glove, and 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 he was good for decades. He he yeah. had a, he played uh, like 20, he played till he was what 45, 46 years old. Yeah, he, yeah, he played forever. So yeah. you know, so I to have him mentoring Jose Iglesias, who's already an awesome shortstop. Yes. You know, to, to have one of the best ever uh, mentoring a guy with potential to be one of the one of the really good ones, it, it, it's just a good thing for Detroit. Yeah, if uh, if Vizquel can make can mold uh, Iglesias into a player very similar to him, boy, the Tigers are going to be set at shortstop for over a decade, and that'd be awesome, to say the very least. One of the more interesting moves when the coaching staff occurred was uh, when Osmus added Matt Martin in the brand-new position of defensive coordinator. And, no, this is not football. In this case, the defensive coordinator is going to help with on-field positioning and arrangements, and also he's going to coordinate advanced scouting for the staff. This, I think, Kurt, runs in that uh, here is a, uh, a younger manager who's trying to embrace some different things, this really comes off as more of a he, – he wants a guy who's going to look into advanced metrics when it comes to defense. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, field FX, like pitch FX or, or hit FX, field FX is one of the, you know, one of the futures uh, for looking at and analyzing the game. And, and I would assume that, you know, Martin is going to be a guy who can analyze the results of what comes out of it. So, uh, you know – we we'd love to see the good play the the shortstop who takes you know five steps and dives behind second base and, and you know tur- turns the player the the outfielder who seems to run a hundred yards before tracking down we love to see that kind of play because it looks really athletic and awesome but mm-hmm. fielding is way beyond that being in the right place at the right time to make it look easy is going to help your team too and and the idea here is sh- surely that Mark Matt Martin is going to make sure that. Uh, the defense is positioned in the white in the right way to make it look easy. As we see a changing in the guard in the managerial staffs, so it looks like we may see some changing in the guard as to how coaching staffs are built, and this really seems to be one of them because uh, uh, this really makes a lot of sense having a guy who's going to specifically focus on defense. I mean, they do it in most other sports. Why not baseball? So, and Laura knows the Tigers were not good at it. Yeah, exactly. So, and it was just interesting because when we were researching. Uh, Matt Martin, because most of us were not very familiar with him at all. Gabe Kapler, who has really become a very uh, a very smart analyst now after after his career, the former Tigers outfielder who's now working for Fox, had written an article about Martin on Baseball Perspective, saying uh, guys like him really are the future of coaching. You know, and he and what was interesting about that Perspective article, Kurt, is that he made a point to say that Martin was not a yes man. You know, he was not the type who he could be abrasive when it came to. You know, his views on baseball, and he may not totally agree with uh, what Alismas has to say. If you ask me, that's a good thing, because I don't think you want all yes-men on your staff. No, I, I mean, just as a manager of, of some people myself, I don't want yes-men. You know, it's more, value, more valuable to hear where you might be wrong and make you think things through twice. And, uh, yeah. and, and to have that, it's definitely a good thing. But it's also important for the people who want you to think things through to be able to communicate that well, not to be, you know, not to be dickheads about yeah. it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, and that's the question. He, uh, will he be a dickhead yeah. about it? So let's hope not. But yeah, the more information you have to make a decision, both, both sides of the equation, you're going to end up making a better decision. So I really, uh, I'll just say this, Kurt, I really like the, the staff office is put together. He seems to have a really good mix of, uh, of new ideas with uh, old school veterans. The Tigers are going to be the sabermetric darlings pretty soon. Huh? At least for a while until they start losing or, or, or Osmus says something very Leland-esque. And, you know, Jim Leland was good for that a few times a year, which set off the Keith Laws of the world to no end. So yes. that's all, I mean, that was always fun. All right, uh, we, we have to kind of wrap up the podcast on the, the Robinson Cano frenzy, Kurt. 
supposedly he might have been in Detroit on Friday. And then a Twitter frenzy ensued. Did anyone take a picture of him in Detroit on Friday? It was that mysterious. It, uh, it was much more mysterious than the so-called secret meeting that uh, Johnny Peralta had at the Mets that wasn't very secret. This was a hell of a lot more secret if it actually happened. But supposedly early Friday morning, Twitter was riddled with rumors claiming Yankees free agent second baseman Robinson Cano, his free agent tour, had arrived in Detroit, supposedly flying into the, the very obscure Willow Run Airport on a, a private jet. You know, he's staying away from metro or city airports. I uh, stay away from city and general principles. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Your compadre at the Detroit News, Tony Paul, had a very detailed uh, re- did some very detailed research into this as to uh, the type of plane it flew in. It was it was literally tracked from New Jersey. It was all kind you know everything was all kind of mashed up into from there was a private jet from New Jersey that has landed at Willow Run Airport, which turned into it's Robinson Cano negotiating with the Tigers, which of course then got picked up by sports talk radio and the like, and it got to the point where Dave Dombrowski had to deny that he was doing anything with Robinson Cano. But all he told, and this is what he told to Chris Iod of Live when he was asked about it, and the quote is, we plan on having Ian Kinsler as our second baseman this year. I guess you could call that shooting down the rumors. But as we've learned, Kurt, and as I mentioned in the post about this, I'm not going to say no to anything at this point. For all we know, uh, Robinson Cano is ready to sign a contract. <laughs> yeah, well, well, what, what were we talking about earlier in the week? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they intend for Drew Smiley to be in the rotation. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he's currently in the re- he's in the bullpen. You yeah. know, so he's very Dombrowski's very good at using words that don't actually yes. uh, mean anything. Yeah, we plan. You know, it's the plan, but plans change as we learned this week. I mean, we thought Fielder was going to be a tiger for life. You know, he's a uh, He's on his way to Texas, and fans can now bitch about, well, they'll figure something out. And, and you know what? If, if Cano mm. wants to come to Detroit and talk to, to you know, Dombrowski, it makes sense for both Cano and Dombrowski to have a conversation. So, the, you know, it doesn't mean that you got to sign somebody. It just means you're having a conversation. So why yeah, not? and it doesn't necessarily mean that Cano was in town. It could just mean that his agent, Jay-Z, was in town. You know, there's all kinds of different ways we could take this. We'll put it this way. Odds are good. He's not going to be a Tiger next year. But when Dave Dabrowski decides to make a move, or for that matter, if, if Mike Illett says, get me a star and I don't care what it costs, yeah. as you put it earlier in the podcast, Kurt, it's way too early to say any what, to make any kind of predictions as to what's going to happen. For all we know, Robinson Cano will be in Lakeland this, uh, this March. Yeah. Yeah, so, but probably not. <laughs> right. Okay, let's wrap up the podcast. So uh, anything else you'd like to uh, add, Kurt, before we uh, call a Saturday afternoon? Well, since we didn't talk much about the bullpen, I'll just talk about the bullpen. Feel free. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, and I said this in the latest column, I, I feel like, you know, Joe Nathan had $14 million a year, likely, for, you mm-hmm. know, 13 or 14 a year for a year for a contract that'll cost $26, 27000000 million. I don't, I, I, I didn't feel like that was the right move. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I, I I want the Tigers to find an established, you know, reliever to put in the back into the pen, and, and I, I said, you know, look beyond Nathan, you, you got your Grant Balfours of the world, you got your Brian Wilson, you, you got you got that tier, and, and I think the Tigers should be aiming for, you know, that that less than ten million dollar a year closer like, like those guys. I think that would be the better move because they need a lot. I mean. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they're bringing Joaquin Benoit back. Obviously, he's a free agent, so he's gone. Uh, they, they decided, you know, not to take the option of Jose Vera, so he's gone. So, uh, what do they have in the bullpen right now? What we know they have for sure is Phil Coke, a left-hander, signed mm-hmm. 1.9 million. Uh, Drew Smiley, maybe, unless he's in the rotation, uh, and Al Albuquerque. We know those three guys, two, you know, two guys and a half, or are in the bullpen. Bruce Rondon, we presume, but like. The, you know, uh, Joe Zumaia before and Bruce Rondon has been racking up the injuries. And now Albuquerque had some injuries in the past, too. So what you're looking at right now is a, a bullpen of Phil Coke and a prayer. So mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a lot of uh, additions that need to be made. And before I worry about the left fielder, before I worry about how many runs the Tigers in the score, 
I, I definitely am worried that they need to get a lot of uh, uh, new faces into this bullpen because it, it wasn't it, it, it was the bullpen that cost them in October. It was the bullpen that cost them games before. It was the bullpen that cost them all year. It's the bullpen that needs to be addressed the most. So the Tigers have to uh, look at this and, and signing Joe Nathan isn't going to make you know innings six through eight any better. So there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, Great if they can do it all, but if if they're working under a budget, and we assume they they probably are, I I would feel better if they they weren't blowing it all on one guy. And yeah, how could I forget that uh, Phil Coke agreed to a contract, avoided arbitration, uh, and before anybody freaks out, this has all the uh, all the signs of what the Tigers did with Brennan Bosch last year. That they signed him to uh, a one-year, you know, uh, about, uh, contract about the same kind of money, and it's one of those things that if he, if Coke doesn't prove that he has figured things out, as he's had a pretty rough couple of years, the Tigers could easily cut bait on him in spring training and only be owed a fraction of that 1.9 million dollars. So he's not guaranteed to be on the roster next year, people. So don't panic, <laughs> but they will anyway. All right. Uh, I guess. I'll, oh, and one thing else I get we should uh, throw out there, Curtis, is that I want to throw out thanks to everybody on the staff who chipped in during the uh, uh, the craziness. That was it was a good day and a half worth of craziness of the punch fielder deal. Because I know Rob and uh, Jordan, Patrick, uh, John all chipped in. I'll, I, I have to throw it out there. We kicked ass compared to a lot of the other blogs out there when it came to coverage of this trade. And I don't think uh, you could have gone anywhere else to get. So much different and varied and just plain content, period, over the past uh, few days when it came to this deal. because And we couldn't do it without the guys on the staff. So thank you all for helping us out because it was, it was nuts. It really it, was. It was, a, it was a record-breaking day Wednesday, and, and Thursday would have been a record-breaking day. At, at the very least, we were prepared to handle all that traffic, and we just kept pumping out the content. You may not agree with everything we had to say, but you guys read it, and that's what counts. So thank you so much also to all to our readers and listeners who blew out the doors on SB Nation on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. All right, let's wrap up the show, Kurt. So, where can they find you online? Uh, BYB Kurt, where I've gone from tweeting pictures about Donner to taking a video of Blizzard. Yes, uh, and there is a death storm in the UP right now. They're getting, well, we would call it a death storm down here in southeast Michigan because you got, what, about two or three inches. So, that, we, that's we, dusting up there. And what we call it, Saturday. No, they're, they're supposed to be getting about 24 inches over by Keeney. So. Yeah, it's, it's snowing a lot in some places, but Marquette is the perfect little town in the north, so we're not getting a whole lot inside the city. We have not seen anything here in Southeast Michigan. It's just cold and dreary down here. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter, um, at BigLBYB. And, of course, you can find both of us pretty much every day, one way or another, at BlessYouBoys.com, while the rest of the staff. So let's wrap it up. Until this time, well, I'm not, I'm not going to commit to anything at this point. We may have a podcast. We may not. Who knows what Dave Nebrowski's got up his sleeve. Just be on the lookout for the podcast. It might be next week. might be the week after. Or for that matter, it might not be just the winter meetings. But until then, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon, along with Kurt Mention. Stay warm. <laughs> we'll just see you next time in the Bless Your Voice podcast. Do uh, you have to go to the bathroom now? Actually, no. Oh, wonderful. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella. <laughs> <laughs>